When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tackling Life Podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's a success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. What I'm really excited about today, our guest, man, uh, I, I, and I'm going to let you introduce him, but I, this is a man who impacts so many people, and I'm just excited for our, our listeners to get a chance to hear from him. Yeah, listen, I, I'm more excited today because I met the man himself um i spent a lot of time with this guy and wow wow when i say incredible as a human being to have him on our podcast today is really really a a true honor man and uh i appreciate you coming on and uh our guest today is lewis house welcome my welcome 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 my man thanks guys i appreciate it it's an honor absolutely so listen so let's jump right into it man so what what uh if, if I was to ask you anything, I would start off with just simply like what motivated you to to start I know you told me when me and you sat down, but what motivated you to start down the road of of motivation, inspiration, sharing knowledge and and doing the things mm-hmm. that you actually started to do? You know, I think it it there's two answers. One is it happened by accident. Uh, because people started asking it for me. And two, the original answer would be that I grew up without a lot of, I guess, mentors and and people to inspire me. And I felt very lonely and insecure my entire childhood. You know, we talked a lot about this. I felt very depressed and lonely. And I was always in the bottom of my class. And I remember when I was 16, I went to a, my dad got me and my mom tickets to go see Tony Robbins. And I was in the middle of like a 20,000 person arena. And I was on the floor level about 50% of the way back from the back of the the seats. And I remember at the middle of the conference, Tony walked down the stage, down the aisle, and he started walking toward me. I remember I got a little nervous I was 16, you know, this, this was like a big deal for me. And he walked and stood right next to me. And I have no clue. I can't remember what he said and the words that came out of his mouth, but I remember the way he made me feel and the, the energy that this man possessed in that moment. And the entire three days that I was at this event was so impactful. It, it moved me to believe that I could do anything I wanted to do, no matter what insecurity, no matter how stupid I thought I might've been, no matter how um, I lacked certain skill sets to do what I wanted, no matter how average of an athlete I felt at the time, he moved me through his energy and, and his, his words. And it really set me up for the rest of my life. Just that inspiration. I said, you know, one day I want to be able to do that. I don't know how, I don't know who's going to listen to me, but I want to be able to do what he does. I want to be able to move people through my actions and through my energy. And I think that was kind of the early catalyst 
which, um, you know, after my sports career, which was short-lived and it wasn't as decorated as yours, Ray, uh, about a year and a half in the Arena Football League, I, I realized, like, I want to do something like that. I had a taste. You know, you had, I think, what, 19, 17, 19 years in the league. You had a long taste. You had a, you had a, a long dinner. I had, like, a, a morsel of an appetizer of what a life could be like as a professional athlete. And that taste was all I needed because I said, I can't go back to doing anything else. I can't go get like a traditional job or live some other type of life. I need to create the life that I want. And it spent a couple of years trying to figure it out without much money, living on my sister's couch. And I just said, I'm going to figure this out. And when I started to figure it out and started building my business and, you know, I'm, you know, I made seven figures pretty quickly without knowing how to make money. I, I kind of just figured it out for a few years had a lot of great mentors and people started saying like, how are you doing this? How is this possible? How can you be a kid without a college degree who, you know, almost flunked out of every school you went to? How could you start making money and building a business and building an audience? And I think just by doing and taking action and creating something of value in the world, people started saying, Hey, can you teach me how to do it? So that's kind of how the path of, I guess, motivating others came about. One of the things I love about what you said um, with Tony Robbins was his energy, like his presence alone. Mm -hmm. It it didn't matter so much the words, but you remembered how Mm -hmm. he made you feel. And I know for me as a psychologist, I spend a lot of time trying to help people understand that it's not about what you're doing or trying to change everyone around you. It's about making your energy and making your presence the best it can be. You certainly do that. And I I think that because you do that and you do it from such a genuine place, um, it's it's pretty beautiful to watch the way you impact people now. So what's it like to kind of be on that other side? Oh, definitely, 100%. And what's it like to, for you now to be on that other side where people pick up and feel on your energy? I feel very grateful, very blessed, but I also feel like I have a responsibility. My, you know, I want to make my life mean something, and I want to make sure that every day I'm used up to the, to the best of my abilities, to the, the maximum of my gifts. And um, so I feel like I have a responsibility to show up with that energy and show up with, with gratitude in my heart, with giving in my soul, and um, to be the best that I can be so that it, for me, again, I think I talked with Ray about this before about I want to be the best symbol of inspiration that I can be. You know, there's other people who are going to be much smarter and have more money and be, you know, better looking and more athletic and have better accolades. But for where I'm at in my life, with the talents that I have, the journey that I'm on, I want to be the best symbol of what's possible for people to live the life they want, to achieve the dreams that they have in their heart. And so I feel like it's my responsibility and duty every day to go through my habits, my rituals, my routines to show up with that graceful, positive energy. And um, I just feel very grateful because I've received so much. And so that's why I feel like it's my responsibility because of what I continue to gain and receive by showing up that way. So, so bro, check this out. So I want I want to follow up on exactly what you said, right? Because I think this is this is like like gold for listeners. So you have these routines, you have these things that you do that you go through. I would love for you to explain to our listeners um, the place that you mm-hmm. told me you just came from, and what did you learn from that place? If you can share yeah. that with us. Yeah. So I just went to India 
to go to a meditation retreat. And this is actually, it's so it's funny that it's the retreat center that uh, Tony Robbins went to actually a year ago. And Tony changed his entire message in his 30 years of seminars that he speaks to tens of thousands of people every year. In the last year since going to this meditation center, he, he changed some of his language that he uses. And he used to always say, you've got to get into a peak state at all times, you know, get into a peak state, change your physiology, change your, your energy to attract what you want before you go into a speech, before you go into a date, before you go into an interview, whatever it may be, you've got to get into a peak state. You've got to change your body. And in some cases, I think that's absolutely the case that you, you need to get into a peak state to achieve certain results. Um, and have a certain level of intensity and all these different things. There's a time and a place for that. But I think what Tony realized is that what I learned from this, this center, the spiritual wisdom center is that they teach about how to get into a beautiful state. So a beautiful place of being. And when we come from a beautiful place of being our actually our decisions come from such a grounded, intentional, visionary place, as opposed to a heightened over uh, anxious peak state that um, it's hard to make it's hard to make decisions from a peak state. Um, you may be able to hit someone harder than you've ever hit someone on a on a football field from a peak state, but it's hard to make decisions consistently throughout life in that state of being. And it's it's it can be very exhausting to stay at that level of intensity at all times. And so now Tony changed his entire curriculum to saying you've got to live in a beautiful state of being based on what he learned. So my experience was really understanding how to, why I'm here, deepening my understanding of my purpose, kind of what everything is and how to create magic in my life. Essentially what they teach was how to create magic, whatever it is you want, how to create that and be the alchemist of your own life through your thoughts through your intentions, through your energy and your way of being, and that what they teach is, again, uh, being in a beautiful state as often as possible. Let me ask you real quick, because this this resonates with me very deeply. Um, Eric Fromm, F-R-O-M-M-M, he was a neo-Freudian who wrote about the difference between to have or to be. And I think in the Western culture, we get caught up a lot in having, even the having of a peak state, like I must have this state to do this, versus more Eastern of to be. Uh, So for me and for my family, this is something we've embraced for a long time about being. And what what really resonates with me about what you're talking about, again, comes back to you being present and to do that, you have to get your mind in a place where you're accepting of the right now. Mm-hmm. So within your routines yep. and habits, um, can you talk a little bit about meditation and how that's played yeah. a role in your life? It's a huge role. I mean, you know, listen, I'm not perfect in any way and uh, still have a long way to go on, on understanding a lot of things. But I've been meditating since I was playing, since I was a freshman in college playing football. And I remember just to give you some context, my sister, actually, one of my older sisters gave me a, a guided, uh, you know, visualization meditation CD. If you guys remember CDs back in the day. And I, I remember <laughs> this thing. <laughs> Ray and I remember audio tapes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Eight track, eight track exactly. tapes. Eight track tapes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I uh, I would listen to this. It was from this like Buddhist monk, like uh, yogi teacher who who just had an audio guided visualization, and I would listen to this. This was my freshman year um, playing football, and I was playing at a small D three school. You know, I wasn't I wasn't recruited because uh, I kind of was a late developer athletically. I was just a six four white kid with you know a four seven speed in high school, and uh, but had amazing hands, and so I was kind of overlooked and. Uh, of the D1 schools and played D2 for a little bit and then went down to D3. And I remember going through this visualization and being like, wow, this is different. This is a, this is really different to be aware of every atom in my body, every inch of my body to bring awareness and presence and attention to every area and I never really bring, brought awareness to my body, my mind, my thoughts in that way before. And again, this was about 15 years ago. And I remember going through this process and feeling this sense of inner peace, feeling the sense of, you know, when I felt so much inner suffering my entire childhood from, the, you know, being sexually abused, from my brother going to prison for four years, from my parents getting divorced, from being bullied and in the special needs classes my entire childhood multiple things came up where I inflicted my own inner suffering, but all these instances created a lot of focus on self in the negative way, as opposed to focusing on self in an, in a positive inner peace way. And when I started to shift my thoughts, you know, our, our thoughts are what control everything in our actions in our, in our physiology, in our words, yeah. everything comes from our Thinking It all comes from a place of what yeah. I think about self, others, the world, purpose, everything. And I was so obsessed with my self-centric thinking that I wasn't thinking about purpose or I wasn't coming from a spiritual vision and I wasn't coming from a place of impacting others. It was how can I achieve to show others that they're wrong and I'm right and to show others that I'm better than them and I'm going to get back at them for bullying me my whole childhood or whatever it was. Mm. And it caused inner suffering. So when I went through this visualization, this meditation practice, it really shifted so much about the way I show up, showed up energetically into the world. And the funny thing, you know, there, I don't believe in really coincidence coincidences. I believe everything happens for a reason and you cause it to happen yeah. because of how you yeah, show up. Yeah. And, and a month after, literally a month after, I did this every single night, this meditation. Within a month, I broke the world record for the most receiving yards in a single football game of any level, college, professional, high school, with mm. 418 yards in, in a single game. And, and, we lost, and we lost the game at the end, but I remember being in such flow. It was like they had three, four guys on me sometimes, Ray. It was like, you could have been covering me, Ray, and I think I would have probably caught the ball. I felt that confident. Oh, in the boy. Floor, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> challenge right there. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I mean, I was on another level. I was on another level of consciousness. I was on another level of awareness about my body. I was on another level of my spiritual vision on why I was playing the game and what I was playing it for. And it went from shifting to being, you know, I was still getting, getting great results. You know, I was – a great athlete at the time, but I wasn't producing these mind blowing results, these out of body experiences. And I truly believe that tapping into meditation and visualizing 
And I know, Ray, you talked about this on my podcast where you, for 24 hours before the game, got into such a spiritual zone where you visualized yourself just in full domination in the next day. Uh, and you saw yourself in the game and you put yourself through the experiences. You know, I was able to do that every single night through meditation and it really gave me an edge over all my competitors. I just felt like everything slowed down the entire game. You know, they had one guy over top of me pressing me, then they put another guy over the top and it felt like I could just cut through any defensive scheme they put at me with ease as opposed to being struggling or suffering. And, um, you know, I went on to be the second leading receiver in the nation um, for the whole country by the end of the year. And I gave my, you know, meditation was really the catalyst for that. I don't think I would have been able to do that without understanding those principles. This, this, this felt to me, this is flying by this time. We need to take a quick break and we're going to be right back <laughs> with Lewis Howes. Um, this is really stuff that resonates deeply with me, uh, with Ray, and I know with our listeners. So we'll be right back after this. The Tackling Life Podcast is now taking your calls. If you have a question or comment for us, just call 646-762-4432 and leave us a message. We might play it on the show. That's 646-762-4432. Or download the Voigo app for iOS or Android. That's V-O-I-G-O. And you can leave a direct message for us through your mobile device. We're definitely looking forward to hearing from you. We're back. We are with Lewis Howes. He is talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart, which is meditation and how it's impacted him. And he was just teaching about the power of when he got into that state of meditation and how it impacted what he was doing, uh, what you were doing, Lewis. Um, I know, Ray, you wanted to jump in and say something, but I, I want to make a quick comment that, you know, I work with a lot of college teams throughout the country and I talk about that the state of the flow or the zone it's not mm -hmm. just about sports like that we can see it there and i think that's great because other people can see wow look at lewis catching 418 yards but as you know and use experience the state of flow or zone happens in everyday <clears throat> life when you're in touch absolutely. with yourself absolutely yeah you, you, you know what i'm i'm telling you it's so incredible to when you tap into it so i spoke about this on lewis's show with how people didn't understand when i came in my room the night before games the silence the, com the complete silence that i would have in my room my mom would give me these prayer cloths and i would have this this holy oil and i would put all of these things on and i would sit in this state to, to where my mind would completely shut down. And when I started to envision things, and Lewis, you just said it, when I started to envision things, it made it, it gave a warm feeling inside because I started to smile to myself, right? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm saying to myself, like, people I'm competing against, like, they really think that it's about the game. But it was about mm. this, it was about this, Place of, of just being of, of, of what this present looked like. So when I so when I would walk in the games and I would I would go through all of that. What the one thing I want people to understand what Lewis is talking about when you when you when you really find yourself. I used to tell guys this in the locker room a lot. 
Be careful what you put in your head before you walk on the field. Mm-hmm. Be careful of some crazy music that you're listening to before you walk on the field because you will <laughs> never understand how that throws you off. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yeah. it, I it's so important because what we surround ourselves with literally is shaping our brains. So when we're putting out negative images, when we're putting out negative music, that's having a physiological impact on us. So that's why it's yeah. so important to prepare yourself. And and Ray and I talk about this a lot, which is surrounding yourself with the things that you really want to be shaping you. Um, so it's living yeah. a very intentional life. Um, what t- what other type of routines and things do you do on a daily basis, Lewis? The most important thing I do every single morning is I make my bed. It may sound uh, simple or something to discount, but I find it the most impactful part is when I first wake up. You know, maybe I use the restroom beforehand, but I make my bed first before I do anything, before I work out, before I meditate, because a dirty space creates a dirty day. A dirty mind. Oh my God! So I like to say that again. So like say that again. Say that again. A a dirty space creates a dirty day, uh, and mm. creates a dirty mind. And so, if you leave something messy that you sleep in, that's supposed to give you peace, that's supposed to give you rest, that's supposed to help you recover your body, your mind. If you leave it messy, then the rest of the day is going to be messy for you subconsciously. Now, obviously, people don't make their bed and they create great results, but I think on a subconscious level. If we leave it messy, then we come back to a mess. When we try to go rest again, we're thinking in a messy space. We're not as clear and as grounded and intentional as we can be. So I like to, and I never did this until a few years ago, until about four or five years ago, I started making my bed. I used to leave it messy all the time. And I went to a private boarding school in high school that, you know, made us make our beds. And I think maybe that was why, because I was like uh, going against the rules or something afterwards i was like now i don't have to do this but now i want to and i feel like a sense of messiness i feel like a sense of um you know lack of focus if i don't make my bed in the morning and so i find it you know a a five minute exercise it's it does a couple of things one it creates a clean space for me to go out through the day and when i come back at night it's clean two it allows me to achieve one simple task where i can build upon momentum into the next task and the next task. And I just keep building that momentum of completion and positive action. And I think um, that helps me throughout my day, whether I feel overwhelmed or anything, to at least get one thing done well to get it started. Yeah, I heard um, I, I had heard a military man give a TED talk on that, and he t- yep. I can't remember his name, but he he said, you know, the moment you make that bed, you've already done one thing, and if you're like the, the I like the word you use, momentum. Now you're just going forward. I, I get a lot of people who will come to me and say. Um, I don't know how to get started on whatever problem there is in their life. They'll say, Doc, help me out because I don't even know where to start. And the first thing mm-hmm. I always say to them is, you already started. Like this already is going on. Now we just need to know what the next step to take is. And I think that's right. an important shift for people to understand. I like, you know, for me, it's, it's, I'll just share a couple of things I like to do in the morning to kind of get ready. Uh, the first thing is making the bed. Uh, the second thing is I like to work out in the morning first thing after that. You know, sometimes uh, I'll have early meetings and, you know, I do it later in the day. But I always, 
find that I, I feel better when I work out first thing in the morning. And, um, and then after my workout, I like to, to meditate afterwards. So I'll take kind of like a little bit of break to calm my body down to recover as opposed to being in this heightened state. I try to rest my mind for a little bit so I can be in a meditative state afterwards and then really ground myself in, for my intention for the day. I find that if I do meditation before workout, it's almost like I, I neutralize the meditation because I work so hard and just kind of like I'm aggressive when I work out. And, um, and so I try to get that out of the way first, clear and cleanse anything negative or lingering in my mind or my body that's frustrated me or any type of overwhelm or stress. I try to cleanse that through the workout. And then once the body is cleansed, then I can cleanse the mind as well through meditation to set myself up for what I want to do the day. Then I, you know, just I shower and have breakfast and go about my day. So, look, I was going to ask you kind of I was going to ask you something very similar, actually, but I was going to ask you and Doc so we can explain to people. So, you know, because people hear meditation and they hear meditative and how people meditate. What, Doc, and you can explain yours too. Um, I think all three of us should explain. What does your place of meditation consist of and how long do you meditate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I definitely, uh, well, I, I'm happy to, to defer. I want to hear you hear your spot on this, Lewis. Um, it's for us, it's sure. a very important thing. It's a very important part of my life for my wife, my daughter, and me. But go, t go ahead, Lewis. Tell us a little bit about what you do with them. Yeah. I mean, I think people do it in their own way. And I think, you know, people meditate all the time. We do, we just mean I call it meditation. People do prayers before lunches, you know, before we had lunch, right? You know, you said a prayer. And I feel like that's meditation yeah. as well. It's bringing, it's bringing attention to where we're at in the moment, what we're grateful for. You know, we're grateful for all the thousands of people that made this meal come to us, you know, from the farmer, from the, from the sun that gave the, the earth the energy to grow the food, from the, the water, from the rain. You know, every element in the universe had to come together for us to have the meal in that moment from the person who cooked it, from the person who delivered it, from the person who sold it and bought it, all the people that came together. had You know, we would not have had nutrients in our body in that moment if it weren't for the entire universe to work in, in unison to grow the food and then the, for people to bring it to us. It would not have happened. And you brought attention to that. And I think so many people are not mindful of how blessed and grateful we should be at every moment with all the things that have to happen for us to have that meal or have that conversation or opportunity, whatever it is in the moment. And, you know, that's meditation to me. Some may call it prayer. I call that meditation as well. Uh, but for me, my meditation practice is between 10 and 15 minutes, depending on how much I do. And I learned it from this, this academy in, uh, in India, but it's really a simple um, a thing that anyone could do where I bring attention to my breathing. I breathe in and out of my nose only when I meditate. And I'll breathe in for three seconds and out for six seconds. So I try to double the exhale from the inhale, double, double the time of exhale from the time of inhale. And by doing that, my body fully relaxes so that my mind can relax 
and I can take it through a visualization, visualization process that I do. So I do just a number of different breathing techniques to connect my mind and my body. There's a lot of scientific studies and proof that talks about how breathing affects the body and the mind. So I practice from a scientific level and also a spiritual level and try to connect the two. And, um, and I set myself up for what I'm grateful for while I'm breathing. And I set myself up for what my intention is for the day. And, um, and I go through a process for about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that's I, I think you you really hit the nail on the head in the, in terms of for, for me and my understanding meditation is becoming in the present moment is becoming aware in the present moment. And I, I, I teach people that there is no it's not one right way to meditate. There are different types of meditation to do uh, personally. Um, it's a part of our spiritual path and tradition. And, and so what we do is uh, we have a meditation room. I mean, we have incense. We have a candle. You know, we kind of have certain things that we set up in a, in a ritualistic way. But yeah. aside from just that time, which is very special time and happens every day, um, and which takes place between 10 and 20 minutes a day, aside from that, I'm always doing a meditation in my in, in, throughout the day. Like there are different types of meditations. And one of them for me is to constantly be cleaning for people. So there was a beautiful meditation by Dr. Hugh Lin taught about this in uh, Hawaii, and he does something called Ho'oponopono. And what he does is he says, I take full responsibility for whatever it is. So let's say um, wow. you see somebody struggling with anxiety. You say, I take full responsibility for that person's anxiety. Because, yep. Lewis, as you said, we when with that food uh, and the way Ray brought attention to everything that, that happened for that food to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all a part of this life and this world and this universe, and we're all a part of each other. So if someone's struggling with anxiety, then I'm somehow contributing to that. I don't know how, but however it is, I'm taking full responsibility. So I want to share this type of meditation because it's very powerful. Uh, but what he'll say is, uh, and what we do now, I take full responsibility for anxiety. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And we say this statement over and over again. We do it for people. We do it for uh, situations that people are struggling with. But it becomes a mantra throughout the day. And I do a lot of work with people convicted of violent crimes who do some pretty pretty awful things to people. And so I, I tell people if my, if my mindset when I'm walking down the street is, you know, I take full responsibility for this person. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And I'm constantly saying these things. Then reflected even in my face and my energy as I approach people is love. And it changes you. It chemically changes you. But it really... It, it heightens the way you interact with people because they see that you're seeing them on a different level. But yeah, there's so many different types of meditation. I really tell people to start with two minutes a day because you can give me an excuse for why you can't do five. You can tell me, well, I don't have time to do 10, but people really can't give me a legitimate excuse for why they can't find two minutes a day. And I say that Mm -hmm. because I know that if you do that two minutes a day for a long enough period of time, you're going to naturally want to sit for more. Yo, there are so many different ways of meditations and see for myself, I've always been a person that takes meditation and I do it verbally a lot. So I take I take our father's prayer and I recite our father's prayer sometimes 25 
sometimes 35 times a day. And, mm. and, and what it does is it grounds their intention and it, 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 it grounds the, 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 the going forward. Right. So at the, at the end of that, right. I always say to, at the end of my prayer, I always say, father, please, if you do nothing else, give me a moment and let my energy to send love towards my enemies, send, send, send love towards evil. Send Lord, just send, just change pain, Father. If you can slow down pain for a minute for, from somebody that's feeling it, you know, understanding that, you know, that, oh my gosh, there's so much bad things going on in this world. And I think if we ever understood that meditation is expressing something to cleanse something, to expand, that's, that, that, that's what meditation does. It gives you this, this opportunity to expand to see things that you would normally never see. And that's why I think it's so good for people to really hear, like young kids, uh, like if, if any young kid is listening, it's like, like understand before you do anything, I don't, I don't care what big competition, what big test, what it is, you must have a routine of detox. Because mm -hmm. if, if you don't detox, all of those things that you walk into that meet with, you walk into that test with, you walk into that game with, it's not going to leave your mind. Yeah, yeah. This again. This time, this time is flying by. We're gonna take one more quick break, uh, and we'll be right back with. This is a really deep and uh, meaningful conversation, and we'll be right back with Lewis Howes right after this. All right, we're back, Ray. What you just said, uh, the setting you up for that intention, like it, it's it's interesting because so many people. People see Ray Lewis, the star, and they don't know him the person, but I know him the person. And being in his presence, there's something special. Like there is something different about Ray's energy. His energy is infectious and contagious. And it's it's just such a it's a it's a beautiful passion. And anybody who's around him for a minute can you can just feel it. And and when Ray told me about that, what he just said. Uh, a few years ago about how he constantly says the Our Father over and over, like it, it made a lot of sense to me because I can see that's kind of sets up his energy. And to hear you, Lewis, doing something similar, um, it, it's it's an interesting phenomena that people who are successful and doing loving, compassionate things are not just doing this by accident, but because we're trying to set ourselves up to do it by making our minds right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. 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 See, I, I just believe true success um on whatever level it is is your impact on people. And most of the times that success comes from people paying attention to you that you never know was paying attention to you. You know, and, and, and that's why I think when you're able to balance yourself out, you know, I think one of the biggest things that's missing in today's time is really balance because all of the, the new gadgets and the new phones and the new computers and the new social media, all these new things, there's really no balance to take time with yourself mm -hmm. because now everything is always about impressing somebody else or, or getting this out or sharing this and tweeting this and doing this. And instead what we're losing is the power of the subconscious mind. Because see, what, what, what's starting to happen is we're starting to forget what we buried, which is what our morals are, right? Where, where integrity comes from. 
And, and, and that's why I think all of this balance and meditation, it keeps you grounded. It keeps you morally connected to what really matters. And, 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 and something as simple as for me, it's always mattered to me the way I made my mother smile. It always mattered to me and it will never mm. stop. It will never stop, right? That that no matter what I do, I'm, I mean, and, it, and it, it's crazy because when you get out in public and people and you say to somebody, yes, ma'am, no, yeah, yes, sir. And they're like, oh, please don't call me ma'am. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I, got a, I got a choice. Either, either I could go against my mom or I could call you yes, ma'am. And I'm not going against <laughs> my mom. My mom is very handy. <laughs> so, so, so Lewis, look, so so let me ask you this then. So if if we were in so when how often do you actually do the getaways, the India trips? How often do you actually mm. do those? Um, you know, it's funny, last year I went to Hawaii, the island of Kauai, actually, which was one of my favorite places. And I just I went left there. there. Didn't... Left. No way. Kauai? Yes, I just left there. I'm doing a, uh, oh I'm about gosh. to do a solar project over there. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, it's amazing there. So I, uh, I was amazing. feeling a little, this was last year when I did my, uh, my book launch, before my launch, which I had this big dream, you know, to, to be a New York Times bestseller and to do this big launch. And planned it out for years, had, had built this strategy for years, and now is the time to launch it. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm about to do a 15-city tour in like a month and a half, and there's, you know, 100 interviews, and all this stuff's going to happen. I think I'm going to be overwhelmed. I had this awareness. That I was like, I think I'm going to be overwhelmed, like, during and after, if I don't do something to disconnect now, because I've just been building and building and building. So I took a five-day um no, I didn't even, I left my phone at home. I left my computer at home. I left everything at home. I just went. It was the first time in 15 years I didn't have my phone on me. And, um, cause I knew if I took it, I would still check it if I just left it in the hotel or something. So I left it at home and it was like, I was 11 again, man. It was like when there was no cell phones and you had to get directions on the side of the road and I had to get like a map and like circle things. And, and it was crazy. You know, I was like, I had anxiety the first day cause I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but man, by day two and three, it was like, man, I need to do this every year for at least a week or two. Like the feeling I had of just freedom and disconnection. So I could, it was like, I could see things differently. I was in the ocean laying there and it was like, I was so aware as opposed to like, <clears throat> Oh, let me go run back to the beach and get my phone and take a photo or Instagram story. This, you know, it was like, I was so present to being, uh, connected as opposed to having to do something and take action all the time. But I was just being, uh, and I think that was important for me. So this year I went to India for two and a half weeks and was the same thing. I was just connecting to, you know, learning through growth, through connecting to the world and to people without electronics. And I, I like to do something like that every year where I take on something new. I, I develop a new skill um, you know, disconnecting or doing a digital detox. I think every year we need to do that for at least a week. Otherwise, we're always connected to digital things. We're, we're missing the opportunity of connecting to the most important thing in the world, which is ourselves and other people.
You know what? Mm. To me, it's great because we look at this, and there, and I I, that, I love your story about that with Hawaii because I can just imagine the beauty of that. I, I have amazing. a similar experience, but in a very different place. Um, I work with men in prison, and when I'm in prison, you can't take any cell phones. There's no technology, right. so you are very much present. Without there's no quick. Hey, let me snap a quick photo of this, right. and. And I think I think it'd be powerful for our listeners to really understand that the lesson that you're teaching and that we're all trying to communicate is that presence, that being can exist anywhere. It's taking the the moment to reflect and be present. And uh, I like the mm-hmm. phrase you used. Was it was it digital break or what was that a digital? Yeah, digital they, detox. Digital detox. I like that a lot. The digital detox, um, and that's something we can do by just putting our phone down, look at somebody in the eyes, and being present with each other. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like that's powerful. I started going to. I started going to Hawaii. I was. Uh, I was elected to my first Pro Bowl in 1997. It's exactly what Lewis is talking about. I wow. Was, 1997 was my Pro Bowl, and when I went there, Lewis. Something started to happen every after we was in the practices and everything. Every day, my room at the Ihilani would sit on the back where the sun would set. Mm. And I would sit there for a while. And after 97, 98, 99, after I went to like three, three or four consecutive Pro Bowls, the next thing I was like, you know what? I, I'm... I, I think I need to start taking pictures. And and, and now, <laughs> oh my gosh, 15, 16 years later, I became this photographer that loves taking these moments of sunrises and sunsets. But mm. but 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 in in but in between that time, I would not have my phone close to me. I would have mm. that moment to where those moments, I mean hours where I would watch the sun start up and and the color of the sky starts to go down and change. And I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time right now um, that my favorite color in the whole world is sunset orange. Right? That's it's, cool. it's not this, it's that orange right when the sun gets ready to hit the bottom and disappear. And that orange. And, but it was what, and I'm telling you, I, I think I started to appreciate. Hawaii moments and where I was and where I wanted to be so early, 23, 22, 23. And I kept saying to myself, I said, you know what? I can come to Hawaii as many times as I want to. And so I started coming to Hawaii either a week before to get a whole week of detox or I would stay a week after the Pro Bowl to get an entire week of detox. And so it's, it's so crucial, man, to the mind on, on what you can imagine, what you can envision. And, and God forbid, if you ever spend time with yourself and get away from phones and get away from everybody else's requests, I mean, you, you might scare, you might scare yourself how powerful you can one day become. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. It, something something hit me really deep when you just were saying that, Ray. And that is, I know that you're a photographer. 
photographer and I know you have some really beautiful pictures and I think there's a difference when uh, but, but between somebody just picking up a phone and flapping a picture without really thinking and somebody intentionally setting out to do it because with the intention and with the presence that's the zone that's what Lewis was talking about with the 418 yards I mean it's being fully present in what you're doing being and, and that's the Zen mm -hmm. aspect of life is to be embrace the present moment so you don't have to beat yourself up if you're on your phone or not or whatever i definitely agree uh, wholeheartedly with the digital break and all that stuff um the digital detox and i definitely agree wholeheartedly with that but i also would like to offer our listeners to be present as much as possible because that's i believe why some of those pictures turn out so beautifully that ray takes because you're fully present in that moment snapping that mm -hmm. picture it, every picture just has a it has a different conversation to it no matter how many times you click the button on your camera, you see mm. something different. And that's, mm. that's the moments that we have the same ability to do that within ourselves. Every moment we have the ability to be better because there's no staying the, there's no staying the same. Either you're getting better or you're getting worse. And that's why throughout my entire career, I always said, from year one to year 17, if I'm not getting better, I'm getting worse. And that's why I think meditation, that's why I'm, I'm so glad to hear Lewis's story. Lewis, if, if, if you was to do one thing for me, how did, to help help a bunch of people out with this topic, and uh, I know we won't hold you much longer, my man, I appreciate you so much, but how did you overcome bullying? Hmm. Um... Well, I don't think I did a good job of it early on because I, I turned a lot of it into, you know, inner suffering and, you know, kind of beating myself up that I wasn't good enough. And then I turned it into, okay, I'm going to channel this aggression and anger into after school's over, I'm going to be in the basketball court all day, training, preparing, whatever it takes to be the best athlete I could be to prove them wrong, to beat them on an even playing field, on a playing field where, you know, the score doesn't lie. You may be able to make fun of me and make stuff up or whatever you want to say, but get me on a basketball court with you and you better believe that uh, the score is not going to lie and I'm going to become the best that I can be to never lose. And so that's how I handled it early on, which I don't think was the, the positive way about going it, but at least I was able to channel it into, you know, working on developing my body and my mind to be a better athlete. I think it came from a negative place it wasn't a pure intention to for the love of the game and to inspire others like it, it is now. And as I started to realize that the suffering wasn't going away, the more time I, the more I won, the more trophies I got, the more all state, all American awards I won, it didn't take away the suffering. And, and I remember wow. thinking, wow, okay, there, there's something, you know, my whole life I've been trying to be the best. And, and achieve these things, but I'm still suffering inside. And that's when I started to say, okay, why am I suffering? And that's kind of when the meditation came and uh, the questions came. And um, that was when things started to transform. I, mean, I really started to develop a different type of mindset. And listen, I still today struggle with, you know, getting frustrated and angry at times. And, you know, I'm not perfect today, but that's why I practice mindfulness and meditation and gratitude and 
and being around positive people. I think our environment, Ray, you know this more than anyone growing up. It's, it's about your environment and the people you're raised with and the things they say that affect us as well. And so I think I'm constantly surrounding myself with people who think a certain way and who speak and their energy is a certain way. And, um, you know, you said if you're not growing, you're you're slowly low, slowly diminishing, you're decreasing, and so I'm constantly surrounding myself with people who are growing more than me, so that I can grow, as opposed to um, just always being someone teaching. You know, I think we get to do both. We get to be around people that can help us grow, and then we get to share that information and teaching to other people as well. So that's my process now. And that's really the heart yeah. of your book, The School of Greatness, right? Like you you yeah, exactly. shared your knowledge of all the things of, of people you've met through the years. Is it exactly. is there is there um, a particular uh, a lesson that from from there from all the people that you interviewed through the years? Um, let's put set Ray aside because obviously that was big time. Uh-huh. Well, but besides yeah. Ray, who are some uh, some people that really stood out to you that you got a chance to interview and work with? You know, I interviewed Sean Johnson, uh, Olympic gold medalist, who is just unbelievably talented and amazing champion's mindset as well. For someone as a 16-year-old, you know, obviously there's the Michael Phelps of the world, but I look at a a, a 15, 16-year-old girl who has billions of people watching her. All the pressure in the world comes down to one moment with two inches of a beam and her to go out there and perform with such confidence and belief with the amount of pressure that a, I can only imagine a 15 or 16 year old girl would have on winning a gold medal and to go out there and to perform the way she did in the, in the Beijing Olympics for me, it was just mind blowing to kind of hear her process and hear how hard she trained. So she was great. You know, I interviewed, um, a guy named Scooter Braun, who is the guy who found Justin Bieber and, and built him up to essentially being the, the biggest musical sensation ever, arguably, for what he's produced in terms of records and touring and following. For a guy to have a vision when he was 25 years old, to see some 12, 12-year-old on YouTube and say, I'm going to get in contact with this guy and fly him out here and make him the biggest star in the world for him to have a vision from watching a 60 second clip to saying, I know what's going to happen in the next seven years if I can make it happen. And to him to transform an idea into the biggest sensation in the world and change his life in the process to where he's now managing Kanye West and Ariana Grande and Usher and the biggest acts in the world, you know, the vision and the commitment that it took to create this and to bring it to life so for me, the people I got to learn from were extremely inspiring and powerful too, um, from my life, but also be able to share with the world. I think it's important. That's amazing, man. It's amazing. I think one of the key things I always say to back everything Lewis is saying is, if you show me your friends, I show you your future. <laughs> you know, the, the, moment, the moment you surround yourself around people who's always evolving, people who's not connected to negativity, people who's moving forward in life, people who's inspired to change others' lives by their lives, then it inspires you to know that you're not alone, that you're not by mm-hmm. yourself. Sometimes you find yourself in those wrong circles and those wrong people. It was interesting, man, because you know bullying was a kind of a big thing when I was even younger. And, and 
And I figured out very early that, you know, you had to stay away from certain crowds. You had to stay away from certain people because of the life they was living and, and, and just the path that they was going down. But I think when you talk about just listening to your inspiration of a 15, 16 year old going for that gold medal, man, if, if you just think about what had to be going through her head to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to achieve this. And that's the attitude that I think, you know, more kids and more people who are struggling with depression and discovering with how do I fit in in life? Look, I didn't, Louis, you know, you heard, you know most of my story, but my story is simple, man. I didn't have a lot growing up, but what I did realize was nobody controlled the outcome of my life but me. Right. See, and then surrounding myself with the right people and then challenging myself. I think this whole podcast, what I got from this whole thing is there's different ways that you can challenge yourself to be great. And I truly understand this. And I said this in, in many of my speakings, that if you never if you do not come out of your comfort zone, you will never reach a certain level of greatness. If you do not get away from people that's going down the wrong road. You will always be distracted on where you need mm. to go. I, I gave a speech the other day to the Cowboys. And I told them, you, you have to understand the difference between detours and distractions. Because once mm. you figure those two out, then you can figure out who you need in your life and what detours you have to go through just, in t- just so you can get to the other end of where you really need to be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, yeah. and... Yeah. But I'm from from all of this. What I'm gathering from this podcast today, I mean, Lewis, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on with us. Um, your story and and what you're doing and how you're transforming. Like I was really moved to hear you say, "Look, I don't have it all figured out." Um, that's something I say all the time with people. I have a tagline everywhere I go. I say there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have issues, and there are dead people. So <laughs> we, are, we all have issues and it doesn't matter how how far along we are in life. We're always going to have issues. It's a matter of how do we deal with them and uh, to have people like you out there guiding others. Uh, I think it's a blessing for the world for sure. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Listen, man, I want to say thank you, bro. I'm back out there a little uh, in a few weeks after the new year. I really appreciate you. your story. So inspiring. Um, and, and I think just in of one note, man, like whatever you're going through in life, who's ever stuck in a place, whatever, however dim it may look, if you if you heard a glimpse of Lewis Howe's story, it didn't start pretty. And the man has a, a long ways to go. But I applaud the man for who he is today. So so thank you, friend. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks, Ray, and thanks so much for for having me on. It means the world to me, and I'm always here to support however I can. Thanks so much, Lewis. Thank you. Thank you for downloading the Tackling Life podcast. For more Tackling Life content and information about our guests, please visit TacklingLifePodcast.com. Subscribe to Tackling Life, and you'll get two all-new episodes automatically downloaded each week. Look, you can become a part of the Tackling Life community by following us on our Tackling Life Facebook and Twitter pages. We definitely want to hear from you, so please reach out. Again, that number is 646-762-4432. 
or reach out on the Voigo app. That's V-O-I-G-O. We really want to say thank you again to Lewis Howes for coming on today. Very powerful message. We definitely encourage you to check out his book, The School of Greatness, and his website, lewishouse.com. Until next time, for Ray Lewis, I'm Dr. Christian Conti. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.